Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Delicious Magazine's February podcast. This month, we've spent the night with Marco Pierre White, 30 years after he became the bad boy of British food. We meet food writer and river cottage man Gil Meller and hear why buying chocolates is a must this Valentine's. We chat to Paul Ainsworth about what happened when he got the decorators in and we launch a new series of readers' events which aim to change the world through food. It's 30 years since Marco Pierre White threw open the doors on fine dining at Harvey's, the Wandsworth restaurant, where he would become the younger chef to win three Michelin stars. But it was his rock star swagger and his hell-raising reputation that would propel him into the gossip columns and fine food into the limelight. These days, he's busy putting the final touches to what he calls a restaurant with bedrooms, the Rudlow Arms near Caution, where he's curating his own eccentric collection of antiques and taxidermy. Among the secret hideaways and sunken gardens, his working farm shows the same eye for perfection that he's always used in his kitchens. He told me why he was creating the antidote to what we might expect from a hotel. Well, I think any hotel, really, should be like walking into someone's house. You know, you walk into these... I mean, I travel the world, and I spend a lot of time living in hotels. There's nothing individual about them. It's like at Rudlow, we don't have TVs in the bedrooms. It's an old Victorian house, you know. When I first arrived here, it looked like a 1970s care home. And I've spent two years of my life unravelling all that decision-making from 1961 and, you know, relocating boilers and you know, opening up spaces, putting rooms back into where they were. Everywhere you look, it's a piece of you. I'm looking at a, a, a lovely old wooden train carriage <laughs> you know I imagine that that comes from if not your actual childhood you know something that reminds you of your childhood it's, well, it's, I've always said that every boy should build a monument for his mother and I think it's really important uh, to build something no matter how large or how small I accept that one of my failings is that I look at life through the eyes of a child and I believe that the eye should always be amused so when I go to a restaurant I think the eye should be amused I look at food, I look at taxidermy, I look at toys through the same eyes. Yeah. They've got to have that artistic beauty. You've got collections of all sorts of different taxidermy, from a, a bear cub to foxes to uh, oh. all sorts of stuff. And they're made by a taxidermist called Emily Mayer, who, without question, is, I would say, in the top two or three in the world. But she does. She did, for many years, she did all Damien stuff. Damien Hurst. Yeah. The uh, restaurant is extraordinary. I've just been wandering around. The art, it's wonderful. It's just eclectic, really. It's just a collection of my journey, I suppose, along the way. Um, 
But the food is, it's got to be simple. Although he doesn't cook anymore, Marco is mentoring his head chef at Rudlow, Philip Bayliss. It's like last night we had roast partridge with champagne braised cabbage, lots of wild mushrooms, and that's the way it should be. I think the more you do to food, the more you take away from food. And I think just keep it simple. It's like the, I don't know if you saw the quail egg dish. Mm. That's from um, Maxime's in Paris. And I learned how to make that dish when I was um, a young boy at the box tree in Italy in West Yorkshire. And what's extraordinary is when you go through the layer of pastry and you have it in your mouth all in one, you've got the pastry, the cell of mushrooms, you've got the soft poached quail's eggs, you've got the sauce hollandaise. But what's amazing is when that sort of quail egg breaks in your mouth and then it sort of the yolk ricochets around the mouth. And then you've got that bit of acidity from the vinegar in the hollandaise. It's just quite beautiful. It's like the trifle, you know. It's just a proper old-fashioned trifle. It's not trying to be modern. It's not trying to be anything. A trifle should be a trifle. And, you know, sherry trifle is one of those great British puddings. And I'll be quite honest, I prefer to eat puddings than I do desserts. There's something more comforting about a pudding. But the way that you talk about food, Marco, you know, you you so love it. It's where your heart is. But that's not my job anymore. I'm I'm not a cook. Um, I've been there. I've done that. Winning three stars in Michelin was the most exciting journey for a young chef. It really was. And you were the youngest chef in Britain to ever be awarded so many Michelin stars. I know what's rather depressing. Had they brought the guy down in November, like they do now, I'd have been 32, not 33. But <laughs> you can't have everything in life. Sheep. I asked him if he was aiming for self-sufficiency. Come on, boy. In his hideaway in the countryside. We have enough pigs to supply charcuterie for the year. But the sheep, I just leave be. Um, we don't send them to market. They're called Wiltshire Horn. Every spring, they molt their coats so they don't have to be sheared. And every songbird in the area takes their wool to line their nests with. We let the hens, we let the geese, we let the turkeys just wander wild. wild. From that hellraiser, living in Chelsea, you know, living the high life, going out with models, to farmer white in the countryside, <laughs> is this where you've come home to roost? I just think that, you know, you've got to understand what motivates you what makes you happy you know i'm ruled by romance so i make romance i create romantic environments i think if people come to rutley then they're coming to my home and it's not about cooking for the michelin it's not about cooking for the guides or the journalists this is what i like to do and, and I've does got that to... make you happy is that what you of course want to do? and you know, it's like i want to sit down and i want to eat my roast partridge like i did last night tonight i may have a fillet of beef with snails, which is which I love, and it's about indulging really and just living life because there's no guarantees. Look, last week I flew in from Singapore, and I got twenty thirty texts on my phone that A. A. Gill had died. Mm. Adrian Gill had been a friend of mine for over thirty years, and you know, very sad. And that's why every day is important. That's why. We have to do what we do every day and enjoy our life. And that's the most important, is about enjoying life. Chef and food writer Gil Meller, perhaps best known for his work at River Cottage, published his first book, Gather, to great acclaim towards the end of 2016 and joins Delicious magazine as a star writer in the May issue. Hugh Thompson went to meet him to find out how it all started. I was working down in, in Dorset, near a town called Bridport, close to where the original River Cottage was where Hugh Fernley Whittingstall filmed the first programme about him leaving London 
and setting up this small holding in the countryside. Uh, coincidentally, I met him. Um, I introduced myself and said what I was up to. I was a chef and uh, that I really liked his cookbook and so forth. Uh, and lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, he got in contact with me and said, would I like to come down and give him a hand with a project that he was just starting, which was another program, another River Cottage program, uh, to which I agreed. And uh, it went from there, really. Yeah, and now you've been with them what, 11 years and you've seen the whole project develop. Yeah, I've seen the business grow over, over the time that I've been there. Uh, it's been very interesting, actually, being part of it. Writing your book, Gathers, we've been well received. You find that different to writing, say, the River Cottage book? Very much so. I think I've worked on about eight or nine of the River Cottage books over the years, so it's something that I've done a lot of. I was just over the moon to be able to to manage it myself, to bring my own ideas to life on the page instead of you know contributing to to someone else's. What is in season now and uh, next month at River Cottage? Something you're looking forward to cooking with? It's always a tough time. You, you're quite often turning to to kind of store cupboard staples. That said, right now we're seeing the first of the, the Yorkshire forced rhubarb, mm. which is great. It's a, it's a kind of blessed relief from the stored apples and pears that, we, that we're cooking, you know, left over from, from the last year. Um, I always look forward to when, the, when that first bright, blushing pink rhubarb comes through. Obviously, you've got uh, the lovely blood oranges. Not that they're local, no. but they're still a treat. And then you've got all the hardy kind of greens and, and brassicas that have that have overwintered, and, and the new purple sprouting coming through. Uh, that's always lovely. It depends, you know, where where you're shopping or how you're growing. But those people with polytunnels might even have more uh, to 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 get stuck into. What would your next book be? This is that seems to be the essence of Gil Miller, let's say. Yes. Well, it's going to be quite a tough one to follow up. I think we've got a a pretty good contender. It's more about the home, being in the kitchen, and celebrating, you know, cooking through through the day. If I was the BBC bigwig and I had a cookery series to commission, and I would come to you and say, you know, what would you like to do? What would your ideal series be? Gosh, that's a good question. I really love sailing. I've got this old wooden boat. I own it with my father. It's 35 foot. And I've always had this, uh, this idea of making a, a, a food show where we sail possibly around, you know, the UK or maybe down through past France and through uh, down to the Med. Wherever we go, we stop along the way and we, you know, we meet people and we cook and we have a good time. And uh, that's the important bit. I had, uh, I did actually pitch this once to a to a production company who were interested, but it never went anywhere. But I like that idea of kind of spending some time sailing, cooking. There's a freedom in the sailing that you have the, with foraging and going outside. Is it all sort of? Yeah, I think there is. You know, it's a similar thing. It's about being out outside, appreciating the environment which you've been blessed and, and you're in. And uh, I suppose with sailing, you know, it's slightly more um, gritty than um, picking berries. 
now in a brand new series in which we meet delicious readers who are trying to change the world spoon by spoon, I pop down to Sutton to meet Heather McEachan. She's part of Sutton Soup, a band of volunteers who are using soup to bring people together to hear about the community projects that need their support. I asked her how it works. Well, I'm planning to use food to be the focus of a community event where people come together and then learn about the charities and uh, other good causes that are pitching here. But the food is the focus because we all eat together and, uh, yeah, you know, it's like a meal round a table, except we're in the church pews. So local charities come, although yeah. I can see Make-A-Wish, and that's a nat- national Make charity. Make-A-Wish is a national charity, but they are pitching for a local boy in Carlshorton called Louis, um, who wants a AstroTurf football pitch built in his garden. Um, so because although they're a national charity it's a local boy we allowed them to pitch because the people who pitch here do have to sort of benefit the London Borough of Sutton in some way. And tell me about some of the other charities that will be pitching to here tonight. We've got Heavenly Gowns um, which is a lady and a team of volunteers who make um, basically burial gowns and dresses for uh, stillborn babies. Um, which sounds a little bit macabre, but actually the little boots and things, they're very sweet, little tiny teddy bears and cots for them to be buried in. And um, we've also got the local refugee and migrant network who do some fantastic work, um, which is really necessary. Uh, And then we've got um, a lady from an organisation called Little Eden who has uh, built a sensory playground in her garden uh, for not only for her disabled son, but for other disabled children to use lovely and so what happens people will come in in a minute well they come in they pay their five pounds on the door uh once we're all in um we hear the pitches first and foremost so that everyone's got lots of time to think about what they've heard and then when the pitches are all done um we invite them to come and get their soup and bread and then we sort of share the meal over a period of about 45 minutes to an hour where they can talk to the pitches a bit more and they vote they each get a voting token when they come in They put the token in the bins over there, um, which are clearly labelled with the names of the pitchers. And then at the end, we count up the votes and the winner gets a giant cheque on the night of all the money that's taken on the door. All the the running costs are provided by um, a very generous grant from the council and also um, local businesses who want to sponsor us and the money we make from our cash bar. (laughs) And that includes a donation of all the vegetables for the soup from Southern Community Farm. Yoris Gunwardner told me what they do and why they're here. It's a not-for-profit social enterprise and it's based in Wallington. We have about seven acres which we cultivate organic vegetables on. We involve people from all walks of life that come get their hands dirty, volunteer in all aspects of the farm, from sowing seeds to harvesting to packing um, and most importantly getting those uh, veg bags together to go out into the community. We have about 250 weekly customers who get delicious fresh vegetables from us. And we're always looking to recruit more customers because that's what really um, is the backbone of allowing the enterprise to succeed and flourish and basically be an open, welcoming space to get people in, kids, adults uh, alike, in to take part and learn and Wonderful. get healthy Wonderful. So food. what are we going to eat tonight? What are, which of your vegetables um, are we eating? Leeks, kale, parsnips and potatoes. I asked Nira from Make-A-Wish how much she's hoping to raise for the little boy who wants a football pitch in his back garden. Wishes cost between £2,000 to £4,000. Louis' wish was considerably more, but any amount that's donated to us goes back into making wishes for children. So, yeah. And how important are these kind of initiatives where people actually hear about what you're doing as well? I think it's so important for the community to know about everything that goes on in the area and support one another, and it stops families feeling so alone. And why you, Heather? Why did you decide um, to do it? The church 
came up with the idea because they wanted to use the space for a community event that wasn't religious because they wanted to draw more people in to use this beautiful space. I mean, you won't be able to see this on a podcast, but it's an absolutely beautiful church. And um, one of my friends was involved with the church and he knew me from uh, fundraising that I'd done with my school, PTA, and he just sort of was telling me about it and I just thought I really want to get involved in it because I really love food and love cooking so the whole sort of food aspect appealed to me as well and um, it's just sort of snowballed really because it's such a positive thing to do you just find when you tell people about it you get such a positive reaction that they want to get involved and it's just become a lot bigger than we thought it ever would really. And people up and down the country are using soup in this way. It's part yeah. of a kind of a growing national campaign. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's, there's soups all over the place. There's one in Brighton, um, there's one in Guildford that I know of, there's uh, one in Essex. Um, they're all over the place. Sheffield, Malvern, they're popping up everywhere. And, and, and if listeners to the podcast think, I want to do that, how do they get started? Literally just start it we well, I went to one before we started I went to one in Essex just to see what they were doing and I although I enjoyed it I almost came away from it thinking right well we're going to do this differently we're going to do that differently um, and you just you know all, every single soup is different it's just literally the concept and then you just take it where you want to go like this is the only one I know that's in a church for example but some of them they have them in a different venue every time and different cafes and bars um, sort of offer their space and that's one of the ways that people can contribute um, it really is just a free-flowing thing. And Little Eden, the sensory garden, walked away with £727. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now, readers' letters are the lifeblood of any magazine, and in a new feature on the podcast, we talk to the woman who reads every single one of them. So, Phoebe Stone, Editorial and Features Assistant at Delicious Magazine, you're in charge of the readers' letters, aren't you? Yes, um, I look at all the readers' letters we get sent in on email and the ones we get by post as well, and I answer every single one of them. Fantastic job. Yeah, and, and what have you found in your little letters bag? Uh, we've got one all about the January issue. So this is from Nicola Duncanson, and she says, Having spent the majority of a very indulgent December pondering which unsustainable and miserable eating plan to adopt in January, it was very comforting to pick up my January edition of Delicious magazine 
and read Karen's introduction, giving us permission to seek some balance. You're right, Karen. Balance is key. So this letter is from Mary Holland, and again about our January issue. I was very interested in the article My Grandmother's Dishes Stood the Test of Time by Jason Goodwin, in particular the reference to his mum living on a shoestring in the early 70s. This brought back fond memories of when I got married 50 years ago. Although I had some cooking skills, having been brought up in a single family of six siblings where we had to learn and make do, I still had a lot to learn once I was running a home of my own. Thank you for bringing back memories of the early years as a new wife. We shall be celebrating our golden wedding this year and no doubt I'll be referring to my old cookbooks and my delicious magazines when I plan the party. That's absolutely lovely. And if people do want to send their letters in, Phoebe, who do they send them to? They can email us at info at deliciousmagazine.co.uk or they can write to us. I like a good old-fashioned letter. So it's Delicious Magazine, Eye to Eye Media, 70 Newcomen Street, SE1, 1YT. And while I was in the Delicious office, I caught up with editor Karen Barnes to find out what's in the February issue. When we plan February, I always think of Valentine's Day and feel like we have to talk about it in some way. But I have to confess that I once went to a restaurant on Valentine's night and was surrounded by couples with nothing to say to each other, giving each other past their best roses. <laughs> this year we thought it would be lovely to have an alternative, which you can either do with your loved one or invite friends around to join you. Fantastic food that you can sit down on the sofa and enjoy and uh, watch some very good television together if you can agree on what's what although we do have some advice on that as well but if I can just tempt you with the idea of a, a terra pot bread with chocolate and cardamom in it sexy yes it is a really really good one also oven baked chips with a sort of cheesy salsa thing sprinkled mm-hmm. over the top melting cheese and chips you can't really go wrong with that although I wouldn't advise eating too much of it and we have a sort of rare beef open sandwich and some croquettas that when you pull them apart they're all squidgy in the middle so I'd call it sexy sofa food sexy sofa food lovely what else have we got there's a feature on modern day beer makers And these are women who are all involved in the beer industry, which is perhaps not what you would expect, but it's very much the way things are going. And recipes that you can use either to eat with beer or to create with beer, which is an interesting one. And we have a whole section on new, uh, healthier eating ideas. Um, We're not talking fads and ridiculous health claims. We're talking about nourishing, wholesome food, 20 pages of solid advice and fantastic, inspiring recipes. So and that's something new, that's going to carry on, is that? through? That's the... going to carry on throughout the year, and I'm anticipating it will be about 20 pages each month. It's a combination of um, inspiring and giving balance to other things in the issue that might be slightly more indulgent, but not always. Mm-hmm. And you've been down to Padstow. I went to Padstow just before Christmas. I go there often because Cornwall is one of my favourite places, as I know it is yours. Yeah. And uh, I, whenever I go, I always make sure I eat at Paul Ainsworth's Number Six Restaurant. And in this particular issue, we have a, we're highlighting the new rooms that he's opened in Padstow, so that if you want to eat at his fantastic restaurant, you can also stay overnight and indulge in the whole um, experience of food and luxurious staying overnight. It's a very special place. And I also went down there and I talked to him about that very thing. Yes, Padstow's Townhouse. There's a nice smile on your face. One of the proudest things me and my wife have ever done. Uh, it was my wife's project that, along with um, her good friend and interior designer, Eve Cullencorns. And for, they, they just absolutely smashed it out of the park. I saw the on Twitter. Yeah, Literally. they just smashed it out of the park. And 
it's you know it was an old rundown hotel eight bedrooms and we just kind of i remember me and emma stood on the bottom floor looking to the sky you know three floors up and thinking wow what have we taken on here um and to see it when it was finished and what it's become and you know the you know the, the accolades it's won and stuff like that it's unbelievable you know did i ever think i'd open it and you know a few months later is you know the number one b&b in the country by the by the sunday times it's it's, it's unbelievable but it's it's the support and the customers and and yeah we love it because we've now added to the stay with us eat with us drink with us and it is a huge experience and finally we're sharing the love this valentine's day with chocks for chance an auction of chocolates made by celebrity chefs to raise funds for disadvantaged young people to work in hospitality i went over to meet two of the chefs bake-off winner ed kimber and the co-founder of the project, Chris Galvin. Uh, today's about trying to raise funds for Galvin's Chance. This is um, a charity that's getting 16 to 24-year-olds in, back into work um, through hospitality. And it's something that's been running for, I think, nine years. This is our ninth year now. And um, we're always looking at various ways to raise funds for it. But we just thought, what a great idea, Valentine's coming up. And to invite some of the best chefs in in the country to prepare chocolates and and allow people to bid for something absolutely unique. It was always Fred and myself. Uh, Fred Sirex is like a dynamo and and without him it just wouldn't work. So we're sort of kind of partners in crime with it. Why is it so important for the hospitality industry to give back? I think it's our duty. I think uh, from the day I sort of become head chef or got in a position where, where, where I could look after people, where we could sort of share share our fortune I think is yeah I think it's very much our duty and, and hospitality is all about giving so uh, I think I think we do that probably better than anyone else and we're, and we're very good at it and you just see today how many people have given up their time to help on this Ed Kimber <laughs> friend of Delicious Magazine because you've yes. already been on the podcast I think you were on the I have I did oh god episode Two, three, maybe. Right at the beginning. Yeah, a long Which time ago. Which is still ago. in the iTunes top forty. I'll have you. Thank you very much for that. So, what are you doing here today, Ed Kimber? Not having had any breakfast <laughs> far too early. Uh, so, this is my second year of supporting uh, Galvin's Chance, uh, and it's our kickoff to uh, launch the charity auction this year. So, the last two years we've raised fifteen thousand pounds over the two auctions. So, hopefully, we can raise. Uh, even more this year um, but it's a very simple cause and a very nice thing to do as well over the two years we've had over 100 chefs take part and uh, this year I think is the most chefs we've ever had and basically each chef makes a box of chocolates and it's a big old box of chocolates it's not a small thing and uh, you get to bid on them whichever chef's your favourite and then all that money goes to uh, Chocs of Chance to help people get jobs in hospitality and get training in hospitality as well Fantastic So did they bid for you last year? I, I've never come last which is good I always and considering there is some incredible chefs in this lineup, I'm very happy with my middle placing so um yeah it, it's been it's been nice actually um i find it amazing that people are happy to pay that much money for chocolates but it is a really great cause and being uh self-effacing my chocolates are amazing so you know <laughs> give us a little bit of a sneak preview what uh, do. so i always do two flavors so um half the box will be uh, a layered chocolate of peanut butter and jelly so uh using um a caramelized milk chocolate i think that one is um, and it's a kind of two-layered thing, so there'll be a little jam layer in and then a caramelised peanut butter level in there. And then the second one is um, a Dolce de Leche one, so again, a double-layered tru- uh, truffle. So there'll be... Um, it's using a chocolate called Biscalia, which is a kind of caramelised milk chocolate. And then the inside has a layer of pure Dolce de Leche, and the bottom has a caramelia ganache, so it's a kind of a caramelised white chocolate. Um, so it's a really delicious uh, mix, um, and very easy flavours to like, so... Nothing complex, but very, very delicious. Very lovely. Thank you for sharing the love and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) 
Now it's time to start the search again for the best producers in the UK. The aim of the Delicious Produce Awards is to find and celebrate quality food producers from all over the UK, dedicated people who are making a real difference to British food. In our 2016 awards, we unearthed some fantastic stories, which you can read about in Delicious magazine over the coming months. And now we need your help for the 2017 awards. If you know of a great producer, maybe a cheesemaker, a farmer or a brilliant baker, we'd love you to nominate them. And if you grow, rear or make a British product you're proud of, you can enter yourself for the awards. Delicious runs the Produce Awards in association with Fisher and Paykel, and everyone who nominates a producer will be entered into a prize draw to win a state-of-the-art Fisher and Paykel fridge freezer worth over £1,800. Find out more at deliciousmagazine.co.uk slash produceawards. The competition closes at midnight on the 1st of March 2017. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the February edition of the Delicious Magazine podcast. Don't forget to rate and review it on iTunes and keep it right at the top of the iTunes food podcasts. And if you'd like to hear it as soon as it goes live, you can subscribe for free on the podcast page of the Delicious website, deliciousmagazine.co.uk. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.